0: And on top of that, it reminded me so much of a, a Pokemon, where you have these <laughs> monsters running all around the city, and they have to round up all the monsters and transport them to an alternate dimension.
1: There
0: was a podcast
2: called the Sequel Cast that talked about movies. Movies! And they also talked about something else called movies. Movies! Oh,
1: it's the sequel cast. Oh, yeah, the
2: sequel
1: cast. It's the sequel cast. www.sequelcast.com!
0: Hello, you're listening to the Sequel Cast, a uh, podcast reviewing movies in a franchise one movie at a time. We're at the end of looking at a series of the Ninja Turtles movies with the theatrical release titled simply TMNT, released in 2007, written and directed by Kevin Monroe. We're also going to touch on uh, the different animated series of the Turtles and even talk a little bit about the uh, direct-to-TV movie Turtles Forever. I am your host, Uncle Milkshake. With me is Thrasher.
1: Howdy, howdy. And, we and
0: Cowabunga. <laughs> and uh, we have a special guest, uh, Toka, from Mikey's TMNNT. Howdy. How's uh, everyone? <laughs> good. Did I pronounce that correctly?
1: Toka, yeah. Toka, from, okay. From Mikey's TMNT and gogreenmachine.org.
0: Yeah, what is gogreenmachine.org?
1: Uh It's uh, similar to the effect of Mikey's. Uh, gogreenmachine.org is a little bit newer on the scene, I guess, in retrospect. Uh started roughly... 2007. My friend Stefan restarted it. It's uh, I didn't quite know what I was getting myself into, but <laughs> it's turned out to be a, a fun parallel to Mikey's. Uh, another another fun turtle fan site. And um, Mike's got a uh, good friend in uh, Stefan and ID too, so it's keeps me out of trouble. So you know.
0: <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so um. One thing I noticed, uh, you recently were talking about on uh, Mikey's TMNT site, is you recently had a uh, an art exhibition?
1: Yeah, my first solo show. I had a, a show toward the end of March. I've been in a number of group shows, uh, art shows, and I've had some showings out in LA, some smaller group shows, but uh, again, I'm... Uh, you know stereotypical starving artist you know I've never been able to go to any of the shows I've had it out in LA I know what that's um, like yeah it's just it it sucks but you know trying to make it I think uh, it's been a rough it's been a rough several weeks here Uh, Mikey got to go to a very special uh, preview of the third incarnation of the uh, turtles animated uh, series.
0: Now that's um, the one coming out on Nickelodeon in 2012. Yes. Is it just going to be called Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles or Yeah, just
1: uh, Nickelodeon's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. There's a lot of uh, talk about it within the past week here because the the special preview was uh, uh 28 roughly. And so that was last week and, Yeah. Um, and now, uh, Nickelodeon has given Mikey, Stefan, and all of our friends that did get a go, uh, they've given, uh, they've given them the green light to start talking about it. So there's a lot of, a lot of discussion. It's a lot of mixed, mixed feelings. Some people are very happy and some people are a little disturbed. And some people are trying to give it a chance, uh, I'm I'm recoiling. So <laughs> I, I I was almost set to go. They invited me to go, and uh, sadly I was turned down. So <laughs> my re- reaction to that was a little tough, but you know I'm, I think I'm kind of a little bit over it. Uh, but overall, um, it does look like a very interesting take on the turtles that we haven't quite seen before. Some uh, elements of the classic series, and uh, maybe some, a mix of elements we've seen from the 2003 series, and uh, uh, some totally new stuff, I mean, very unique things, so, uh, I don't know what to say, this Four Turtles film, it's highly suspected, and I think they're right, this might have actually been a vehicle for the the. Turtles, uh, this new animation we're going to see in 2012. So there's actually multiple, multiple things that the, this fourth Turtles film serves as. Uh, it, it's a much different type of film than any other Turtles film too. Uh, what uh, I think some of the com- confusion came in from this film because like uh, people were like, oh, it's animated, ah, oh, just like a retake. We have a very stylized Turtles film, and it's kind of like, uh, you know, remember Superman Returns, how it was kind of like a yeah. sequel, but a reboot? We have something similar to this effect. This is the fourth Turtles film. And so, uh, and a lot of fan input was actually similar to effect what we had going on with Nickelodeon bringing fans, in, Warner Brothers had uh, some fans come in and give their input. And um, so... If you look closely, there's, uh, toward the end there, there's, uh, homages to the first three films, uh, directly put in there. And if you're a big Turtles fan, you really like the comics and stuff. There's even some, uh, comic appearances. Uh, there's a cameo by a mouser in there in Splinter's Trophy right. Room. Hmm. There's a broken mouser, uh, in, um,
0: yeah, I recall when I first saw this TMNT movie, I saw it opening weekend in the theater, and I felt a bit silly, because at the time, I think I was like 25. Yeah. And I go in the theater to see it, and I feel a bit old to be uh, going to the theaters to see a Turtles movie. But luckily, I go there, and there's other people, you know, in their mid to late 20s, early 30s. And yeah. then some people are seeing it with their kids, so it was an interesting mix of an audience. And um it, 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 We'll talk about it. It's really interesting. They certainly tried something different. The um, although it was directed by Kevin Monroe, this was the first film he directed. Before that, he worked on uh, video games such as uh, an Xbox game called Crazy uh, Racers. Or yeah, cra- yeah. Crazy Flyers. What was it? Let me see. Freaky Flyers. I'm. Sorry. Freaky Flyers.
2: That's a. That was a very fun PS2 game. <laughs> It was loaded. It was loaded with like weird, kind of outdated, but still kind of deconstructionist uh, racial and ethnic stereotypes. And yet, at the same time, the gameplay was very fun.
0: Yeah, I totally got the name wrong on that game until the end there. But uh,
1: freaky bias.
0: But yeah, you look at, you know, and, and although it was directed by an American and produced in America, the film was animated in Hong Kong. And uh, I think that certainly shows with some of the action scenes and how the, the character designs on the humans are.
1: Uh, partly, too, on the humans. And, and I, I know a lot of people have problems with the human characters, but again, this is a very stylized vision of the turtles. It's also uh, very comic-related. Uh, multiple people worked on the uh, concept art, d- developing the look, so we have some very lean... Turtles. They did try to go back to the uh, the look of the original uh, films and kind of get some of those textures on the CGI characters, similar to the effect of that uh, Jim Henson uh, foam suit. You know, if you look, you'd see all the spots on the characters and stuff on the first three films, and they really try to to draw some uh, a little bit of a feel for that. Um, Michelangelo's design is very interesting here because he's like he's got freckles and he's got like blue eyes. Everybody else <laughs> is, uh you know like brown eyes. So Michelangelo kind of really does stand out. And uh, I think uh, from reading one of my friend's posts on what she saw, yeah uh, Nickelodeon, Michelangelo has got freckles. <laughs> 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 so no, uh, uh, so there, there should be some interesting things we see this again was a probably a precursor about what we're gonna see in the cartoon
0: yeah it, you know like less. when this uh TMNT, uh cg movie came out you know around the same time they were trying to develop a new live action movie and i think for a while john woo was trying to produce one and then the latest connected oh, yeah. Yeah. To
2: one for a long time yeah and then oh, the latest yeah,
0: was... is a Michael Bay's uh, Platinum Dune uh, production company, which typically does, like, remakes of horror films, like uh, yeah. Friday the 13th and uh, things like well, that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, they're attached to it right now, so with the the whole Nickelodeon having the rights to it, I have no idea what's going on with that. But uh, when this came out and it's animated, it, it's pretty interesting that it was animated, but I like the look of it, but I, I think overall the thing uh, TMNT, this 2007 film, does... Uh, better than the live action films is at least the Ninja Turtles individually seem to have more separate identities
1: yeah yeah definitely Uh, I I guess what I I trailed off what I was trying to say about the looks of the Turtles these lean characters and the the way the humans look uh, a major influence on that I believe to uh, Jeff Matsuda he's a well known comic book artist uh, X-Men he worked for Jim Lee on Wildcats Wildstorm on Jeff Mitsuda the 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 Batman cartoon from a few years ago not the current Batman cartoon but the Batman yeah Jeff Mitsuda was one of the lead character artists on that Uh, he did a lot of concept work for this film and I think some of these characters really definitely look like uh artist renderings that he did in some some of his direct comic uh Characters and such, and, and his concept work for the film. So there's a, uh, there's a, again, a specific thing going on there with the humans. I hope I'm making sense. I'm a little loopy right now. No, so. oh, no,
0: you're making you're making perfect sense, and I, uh, I totally agree. And uh, you know, when I sat down to see this movie in the theater, it took me a while to get into it, simply because the beginning is uh, kind of all over the place. You have uh, Lawrence Fishburne of all people oh, yeah. doing this dramatic narration talking about who the Ninja Turtles are, and then you're thrown into this flashback sequence that looks like it was ripped out of one of the uh, Lords of the Rings movies, where it's this epic battle sort of explaining the origin of uh, the, uh, the bad guy in this movie and how him and his generals were all turned into stone. Like, it's extremely convoluted, and the movie doesn't really go back to it. And then... It, it, it does something that the movie Ghostbusters 2, which is something we covered earlier in the sequel cast, does. Classic episode. Yeah, where it talks about what are the Ninja Turtles up to now? And you have uh, Leonardo is in um, South or Central America fighting a dictator. It feels like something out of an Oliver Stone film. You have Michael, <laughs> You have Michelangelo dressed up as a party turtle entertaining kids.
1: That's actually based on real life, in a way, um, my friend Michelle Ivy. Uh, back in the day, her father had a. Uh, her father's a well-known costume designer uh, in Michigan, and he's done a lot. He works a lot on uh, lower-budget uh, television shows, like uh, you know, kind of Monster of the Week shows with yeah. guest hosts and stuff. There's a really popular cult show. I just can't think of the name of right now. Fringe? Her dad had designed, yeah. Her dad had designed this Michelangelo costume and this bebop costume. They used to do turtle parties, and so you have, yeah, you've got Michelangelo getting dressed up. Uh, you know, they're trying to earn money. Him and him and Donatella are trying to make a living in this film, and but yeah, that that Donatella dressing up as a, ironically as a ninja turtle type character. <laughs> Um, it's actually based on uh Michelle's parties from back in the day, back in the night. So, that is great. Sorry I didn't mean, that, mean to interrupt you there, but
0: Oh no, that's fine, that's really cool. And I mean also it's the way meta commentary. And also the way how uh, <laughs> to make it even more meta, the way the costume looks on Michelangelo, it's designed like the heads of the uh cartoon from the eighties and nineties. Yeah, with the more yeah, round of features and the that. big eyes.
1: Hell yeah, um, hell oh, hell yeah.
0: So I mean that that's inner and then Raphael and it's kind of a weird storyline in all these movies you got to have Raphael be pissed off and angry, and yeah. so he's angry Leon- Leonardo left them and so in the Ninja Turtles don't want to be seen in public even though they fight out in the streets and the alleyways a lot so he decides to uh, he calls himself the Night Watcher and has a suit of armor. And- well,
1: hey- set up in the comics, there was a set of five prequel comics. See, that's the problem with this film, too. Yeah. If you're like a hardcore Turtles fan, and you're a little open-minded to this, you're going to really get it. If you're not, it's going yeah, to be very weird. Mike uh, Raphael inherited that suit in these prequel comics from an older vigilante named the Night Watcher. So that's where that kind of comes from so I'm just trying to give you a little bit of a backstory to make it hopefully a little less strange well you know it again I hope it, I'm making sense
2: <laughs> well it, it might also be a, 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 a sly callback to the Archie uh, the the line of Ninja Turtle comics the Archie publishing company did where after the turtles got back from stump asteroid uh, where they had been forced to like wrestle for intergalactic audience uh, Michelangelo had held on to his all-black costume and for oh, a, a yeah. long string of issues was wearing the all-black costume and kind of talking about how he needed his own identity and needed to be able to differentiate himself from the rest of the team.
1: You bring up the Archie's, remember April? How in those comics she was actually not the damsel in... I mean, early on, she kind of was the damsel in the spress But eventually, they they were teaching her the turtles in Splinter were teaching her kind of to defend for herself. She was learning the martial arts. This is like just a takeoff of that, too. I mean, April really kicked ass in this film. So, I mean, and, it, I mean, and if you're a Buffy the Vampire Slayer fan, And a And fan, I am. This is a real treat for you, because Sarah Michelle Gellar really, uh, really hits home with April in this film, as far as the vocals go, I think, anyway.
0: Yeah, it's good. She has sort of you know an outfit inspired by uh, um, Bruce Lee and Enter the Dragon later in the movie, okay, which, yeah. which which also looks like Kill Bill, which they took that off the Bruce yeah. Lee thing too. Oh, yeah. yeah, Tower of Death. Yeah, yeah. Uh, So, but you look at this movie. It, um, I'm trying to figure out. We we'll talk about this movie a little bit longer and then go into the cartoons because to keep track of our time here. But um, overall, with TMN and, and ah, I need to say this right. <laughs> overall, with TMNT. <laughs> It's a 2007 uh, animated picture. I like how the turtles are. I just think the story, it's it's really complicated, especially if you haven't read the comics that take place beforehand. And on top of that, it reminded me so much of a, a Pokemon, where you have these <laughs> monsters running all around the city, and they have to round up all the monsters and transport them to an alternate dimension to prevent the world from destroying uh, from, or from, not destroying, from, uh, you know, being blown up or whatever. It's Kinda, but you have the footcline in there. I mean, it's a real jam-packed movie as far as plot and characters go, and I don't think you can say that of the live-action movies. Those are kind of leaner on plot or characters, and you have some humor, yeah. but this try to plays it more serious. I think the animation looks nice. There's a uh, a fight scene between Leonardo and Raphael in the rain, which is pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, that
1: one is pretty groundbreaking. That 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 rain thing was totally developed out in Hong Kong, and they really uh, that's one of the most noted. Scenes in the film, just for the technical aspects of it alone. I mean, really, visually, this film is just—it's over. It it looks better on uh, the big screen, and definitely, you bring it to your TV or your computer, it's just not the same. Yeah,
0: I was Uh, was watching some. Stunning,
1: but yeah, wow.
0: Yeah, I was watching some of this on TV, and my wife walked through the room, and she says, "Oh, you're talking about this on your show? This looks like crap." And she was just watching. (laughs) She was watching like ten seconds of a fight scene. But, Where um, is she living
2: now, by the way?
0: We still live together. <laughs> we, we did not get a divorce because uh, I was watching TMNT when she was in the house. Uh, and we were still married, so it's always good. Um, so to go from that to Ninja Turtles. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I think it, it's interesting what they do in this movie with, with all the characters. I think it might have been a bit much. And if you look on the DVD, it has a lot of neat deleted scenes that kind of yeah, give a yeah. bit more character moments whether it's Michelangelo sneaking some birthday cake to Splinter that Splinter yeah. enjoys in private or Kevin
1: uh, talking all over it too.
0: <laughs> Yeah and try, there's um trying to
1: take in the scene and then like Kevin Monroe oh yeah well the scene we really wanted it in there but it's like dude shut
0: up <laughs> Yeah on the commentary talks, on the audio commentary the director Kevin Monroe talks about all these scenes that are not in the deleted section scenes part of the DVD where there's a lot more between Casey Jones and April and their relationship yeah. so I mean even though this movie came out, released at 87 minutes, which, when you take credits away, is barely a feature-length movie. They, they probably easily had, you know, at least 10 minutes more of material they could have put in that might have fleshed it out a I, bit more.
1: Yeah, I would have liked to see just a little tiny bit more of that April and Casey thing. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think at this point in the franchise's history, Casey and April are as much a part of that family base. I mean, like Mikey talked about this. This whole series is pretty much based on family. And Casey and April are a very important part of that dynamic. And uh, it would have been awesome to just see. Yeah, because basically uh, Casey pops the question to April at the very end if, if that scene had been entered into there. And it, I mean, it would have been really cool. Because you really see some moments where Casey and April, she, she, she's really worried about him. She, wants, she really wants Casey to quit the vigilante. She's stressed out about it. And there's little moments in there that are really Hints that they really have a special bond uh, Aside from just, you know, Casey working there And they're, I don't know, they're living together It's it's more than that there, There's something really special going on between them And so, you know, I don't know
0: And but on top anyway. of all the other characters in this movie They have Karai in there Which seems a little bit out of place And Karai is Shredder's daughter, right?
1: Um. No? It depends on where okay. you get it from. Um, <laughs> in, the, in the 2003 cartoon, yeah, they established her as uh, the daughter, kind of the um, adopted daughter of Shredder. Mm-hmm. Um, in the comics, she had actually nothing to do with Shredder, aside from the fact that she actually hated Shredder. Shredder actually slaughtered her daughter, I believe, or at least one of his minions. I'd have to go back. It's a little fuzzy in my mind, but she, she is the leader of the Japanese branch of the Foot Clan throughout, but um, it kind of depends on the canon. It's also kind of been hinted at in the new series, even they actually be Splinter's daughter. That's hmm. still very work in pr- Actually, yes, Splinter has a daughter in this new series. Interesting. So, it, yeah, it's going to be a very interesting take on the turtle, like I said. But that's an aside. Here, um, here I believe they're they're playing it as. You know, the Shredder's gone, and, yeah, it's Karai's the daughter kind of taking... Taking on the role of the Foot Clan is kind of a work-for-hire ninjas, basically. So, you know, uh, the main villain, Max, is paying Karai and, and, and the Foot to, to kind of, yeah, be his, his uh, grunts, basically. So... Uh, Thrasheret. Right. a very oh, very sorry. weird. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Oh, you, no, no, that's
0: okay. Uh... Thrasher, I know you haven't had a chance to see uh, this movie, TMNT, but just from yeah. seeing the trailer, what do you sort of think about that, at least from a well, look that, of it? That,
2: that's the sad thing is I was really looking forward to watching this movie for this review because I had avoided the film when it first came out just because that was like right at the cusp of Hollywood endlessly recycling old franchises without necessarily putting much thought into them. And I was really looking forward to it, and wouldn't you know it, it got pulled between when we chose this series, uh-huh. and now it got pulled from Netflix Watch instantly. Really? So I couldn't see it, but, huh. I mean, for what I see wow. in the trailer, I see a lot of really good, really fluid animation. And I have looked at the character designs. I actually find the character designs to be pretty sharp.
1: Wow. Dang, wow. I'm, and I'm surprised that Netflix pulled it. That's... that's... Kind of I mean, you can always rent wow. things
0: through Netflix, but oh, yeah. the Watch Instantly we is so convenient. Oh, okay. But with the with the Watch Instantly, it's one of those things where it gets to the point where it gets so lazy. Oh, I have to get my butt off the couch and put a disc in my uh, DVD player and my <laughs> PlayStation. Well, you know. But
2: <laughs> for, for me, it's it's purely economic. It's just sure, cheaper. Sure. If I'm just doing the Watch Instantly, and, and although it's true, like I actually I actually looked currently as of this recording. All of their Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles stuff is DVD only. They're not streaming any of it. Not the various animated series, not any of the movies. You know, I think it
0: might just be because Nickelodeon got the rights to Ninja Turtles. Uh, they bought it outright from Peter Laird uh, pretty recently.
2: But, yeah, but that shouldn't be... I, I, I'll admit my knowledge of copyright law isn't perfect, but that shouldn't be preventing the instant streaming of previously existing Turtles content. Uh,
1: that's weird. There's such a, there's such a flux... There's still so much transition going on with turtles. I mean, even I've got to remember that. I mean, I, again, I like the whole Nickelodeon thing. Just really hit me hard. I mean, and, and so I'm, I'm trying to take it in stride. But uh, I got to. Everybody's got to remember all this is just still really settling into Nickelodeon's hand. So some good things are actually happening with it. So. Uh, hopefully, actually a lot of people would just love a director's cut of the original film. A nice, you know, streamlined cut with uh, Barron's commentary, maybe even, a, uh, you know, some of the deleted scenes from that put back in. I mean, so people are streaming from that, and, you know, Warner Brothers just would not have it.
0: Yeah, there's some, uh, I was reading, there was like a version in Germany of that uh, original live-action Ninja Turtles film that has a commentary by Steve Barron. And it has an yeah. alternate ending, which um is a, oh. is a weird ending.
1: There's a yeah, it's kind of touched in the comics. Uh, I think they even had it. There was a sticker album based on the first film that had the the alternate ending, where I mean, basically April and uh, Danny, Mike Turney, the the kid from the film, kind of go to a big uh, comic book company uh, app named Mirage. <laughs> and um, they try to pitch a Ninja Turtles comic, and it gets turned down because it's, oh, this is ridiculous. And then the turtles are, like, looking outside of the, the, the window, They're like, We're ridiculous, what? Something like that, dude. You know, I,
2: I think you're right. I could swear, like, I read a novelization or, or some tie-in for yeah, that movie there was, make a reference comic adaptation
1: say, That's in the very back of the original comic adaptation of the, the first Turtles film. So that 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 ending does remain intact in the comic book adaptation. I believe in the novel too, so yeah all these all these movies have novels. Remember those What a novel is <laughs>
0: anyway yeah I mean well, speaking of you talk about the the comics a little bit, I, I do think one of the good things about Nickelodeon having the rights is since Nickelodeon and uh by extension that Viacom is such a bigger company than Mirage was. I really hope they start putting out, you know, whether they're hardcover or not, trade paperbacks uh, that's of the going older to comics. Yeah? Good. That, that's Good. going
1: to happen. Uh, probably starting this summer, we'll start to see the shit. IDW has the rights now to do some uh, classic stuff and some new stuff, so they're actually going to be doing some new... I would assume at some point they'll even be, do a comic based on the newer cartoon. Mm-hmm. But they're going to awesome. have... Uh, yeah, they're going to have some uh, new comics based... On the classic Mirage books, so I, you know, it, it's so weird because even Peter Laird himself has not finished the fourth volume of Turtles. So, what is going to happen? I don't know. We we could get a plethora of turtle turtle comics, for all I know, because Mirage still has the right to do eighteen comics a year, and Peter Laird is sitting them out right now. So we'll see what happens. Hmm. Um. So there was a gentleman named Tristan Jones. He has one of the most uh, interesting track records on tales of the TMNT, the second volume, which was the uh, kind of a spin-off, sideline turtle comic. Kind of goes into different adventures, different creators, different stories, and, and uh, illustrators. It was a really good run on turtles. A very po- in fact, it probably was even more popular than the uh, fourth volume of turtles itself. And Tristan Jones had a, he's got a very 80s esque writing style. He's a fellow out of uh, Australia, really uh, popular among the Ghostbusters fans. He's a great uh, artist and um, illustrator himself. But uh, if he he gets back into that, that would be really cool. And I'm, he may be have a been approached by I.E.W. So we may see some uh, kind of a resurgence of a 1980s style. Turtle comic stuff. So hang in
0: there. <coughs> yeah, yeah. right. With with those uh, Ninja Turtles comics, you know, those were kind of all over the place in terms of tone, and so were the different uh, Ninja Turtles animated series. Whether you go to and the that's what
1: Nickelodeon will bring, dude. I think it's going to bring a little bit of consistency. You know, yeah. And, and these things. So I'm not going to cut you off,
0: so sorry about that. Oh no, no, that's don't worry about that. Uh, that's fine. So I mean, with the um, Ninja Turtles cartoon, the first one I ever saw was the one from the 80s, and I, I lived overseas in Argentina at the time. And, uh, oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. So, and Buenos Aires, the capital, which is sort of like a, a version of New York City, I guess, not, a, not yeah, as big. Yeah, but. Wow. Oh, what was it like being
2: rescued by Leonardo from that dictator?
0: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I, 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 went, I went to a private school. I had to take a bus one hour each way to get to school, but everything was in English except for the... Uh, Everyone had to take Spanish. If you were a boy, you had to be on the soccer team. You did not have a choice. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, aside from that, you know, so all I had to go to uh, with Ninja Turtles was one, one officially released videotape that had two episodes. And one was the. And Ninja Turtles started as like a four episode miniseries thing yeah, before, it before it became. And it was two episodes yeah. from that. It was like the first one about the origin, and it was the episode with the neutrinos. So, and that's all I knew about Ninja Turtles was that in the uh, original Nintendo game um, where you died by swimming in a dam. Oh, yeah,
1: the, uh, uh. the wonder- <laughs> wonderfully challenging, yeah, that's, that's probably the, one of the hardest turtle games ever created still. It's a classic. I, I still love it very much. It's really cool. Um, I, I don't know. I, I got thrown into Turtles way back, like, in the 80s. Six, so, as far as exposure goes, I would go to the local downtown comic store, and I, mean, I was—I would only get a couple bucks. You know, my mom throws some little bit of money at I me, mean, go get some books, and I'd pick up my my man magazines, and you know, out of the corner of my eye, I recall just these really weird covers now and then, and it said Turtles, and I, I would look at it briefly, but I don't think I just was there yet to really get into it you know um, you know money was tight and my comic buying was limited so you know maybe I'd buy like a couple of thundercats books or a he-man book but you know not not too many indie comics you know Uh, so I think by uh, 89 again like you I was exposed through like uh, most of my friends that was exposed to the cartoon when I discovered the Turtles Adventures book, you know, going back to that, uh I'm trying to remember what, it was a very early number. It may have been like number seven or something, but it had Wing Nut and Screw Loose on it. You oh, yeah. Talking about this, the, the Stump Asteroid costumes. That was my very first Turtle comic, and I read that, and I'm like, this is like, that's been the most awesome thing I've read in my entire life. So after that, I, I was so hooked, and then, um, yeah, by the early 90s, it just, it, it was, it pretty much sub- supplanted me. Uh, I remember getting off school. I had a really rough time at school. Uh, my, my whole childhood it was just wracked with so much screwed up stuff. You know? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, and I had a really bad day. I mean, things were, like, very, very dark that day. Not good at all. And I think my father just, it was one of those rare times that just bonded with my dad and just, picked up on it and he's like you know what screw this let's just uh go see a movie so we went to like uh i'd seen the first turtles film at like the dollar theater and uh i think this was another dollar theater further um, south of town here in colorado and know. Uh, it was the second turtles film and there was multiple films it's like what do you want to see oh i want to see turtles 2 you know whatever it was, i don't know remember what else was playing but turtles 2 was the one that looked attractive to me You know. Yeah, dude, as soon as I saw those two big monsters coming out of the crates hugging the shredder, I just, I think my heart just melted. <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah, I don't know why. I'm just one of those freaks that loves, you know, monster movies, Gamera films, Godzilla, King Kong, things like that. And, um, you know, Toka and Razar, especially Toka, have a lot of parallels with those classic films. And so they kind of, I, I know, they kind of were the substitute for Bebop and Rocksteady. I understand that. But uh, there's something very different about those two bad guys. And I just, it supplanted me it just as my two favorite all-time turtle characters of all times. In fact, I may be more partial to the Turtles Rogues Gallery than even the turtles themselves sometimes. So it just, and uh, yeah, I mean, that's where I take the name Toka from, uh, Steve Bissette. No, they they had some great villains over the years. Oh, my God, no doubt. And Steve Bissett was instrumental in helping craft the character of Toka. Him and a, a turtle that Ryan Brown, he's well-known, um, outside of turtles, he's mostly well-known for the Wild West Cowboys and moonmate a, a cartoon, an anthropomorphic cowboy cartoon from the uh, early 90s. Oh, yeah. But, um, yeah, yeah. Brian Brown and Steve Bissett was doing some work for Mirage. He'd worked on some of the comics. At the time, they were doing turtle concepts for toys. One of the rejected toys, uh, Steve Bissett was working with another turtle uh, veteran, uh, Steve Murphy, who was... Steve Murphy wrote a lot of the uh, turtle adventure books. But uh, again, everything was in-house at Mirage. This was back in the day before big Viacom conglomerates and stuff. This was really... Localized. I mean, Turtles is a you know $60 million property, but this was all done in the confines of just a very small little space. And so, uh, yeah, they had this snapping turtle villain, a, a bipedal giant alligator snapping turtle, and um, he had a little companion. Uh, the Snappy Turtle's name was uh, the Terrapin, and his little companion was a parody of Andy Warhol, and they called him like Snappy Warhol. It got turned <laughs> out <laughs> Yeah, Snappy Warhol. And then uh, Toka and Razar—they, you know—they needed some pitches for the second turtles film. Basically, what you're seeing in Turtles Two is, uh, in my opinion, it's it, Turtles Two basically is uh, a live action version of the cartoon. Yep. Which was really wacky, really goofy, and so yeah. I mean, I know it's, it's dated and the vanillaized thing. It adds to the cheesiness of the flick, and it adds to the camp. But I think that's actually the stuff that I appreciate about the film. And uh, you know, I think there's, in my opinion, there's room for that. There's so much going on in all the different turtles, uh, uh, you know, variations, and, and uh, you know, you got a crazy. Goofy ass Power Rangers' live action series in there too. I mean, you got <laughs> yeah. the, the goofy classic cartoon. So much is happening in the, all these incarnations. So, and uh, again, you, yeah, you touched base on um, on that in Turtles Forever, that, uh, that that film that came out in nine So um,
0: yeah, Turtles whatever. Forever was a. They later released it on DVD, but it was a made-for-TV animated movie, and it was kind of the big send-off for the uh, Ninja Turtles animated series. That I think that one started in 2003 or so.
1: It was Ooh, a yeah. send-off to that, and it was kind of a, a little bit of a send-off for the 80s 80, the 80 series, too, a little bit.
0: Yeah, that one, like, although it has a complicated storyline, I think it has something, so, th- something for everyone, because you're going back and forth between what the 2003 Turtles are, which are... A bit darker in some ways, like the older comics, but there's yes. not like there's not like blood. It's it's maybe not quite of a hard edge, but it, it's certainly more faithful to uh, some of the older comic stories. And they time travel and they meet up with the turtles from uh, '87, and Roughly, yeah. You, yeah, more or less. And you have the Shredder and Crane from '87 meeting up with Shredder from or a version of Shredder from from, from yeah, the 2003 series. And at the very end of it they go to sort of like a, a black and white world where they meet the original turtles from yeah, the uh, black Iron and Turtle. white comic where everything is black and white has these really harsh edges and the uh the old ninja turtles uh narrate as they're fighting because that's what's done in the old comic book.
1: Yeah. It it I I got to admit that I I was very very lucky uh in Comic-Con 2009 they had the only uh official screening well what became the only official screening on, on a bigger screen uh for turtles forever and we got to see a kind of a uh, somewhat early version but very close to what the final product was and um everybody just freaked out it was just incredible and um a lot of the mirage staff was there uh, lloyd goldfine uh, the main guy and writer for uh Turtles 2003 series was there, some of the voice actors were there, um, uh, most notably Mike Nicholas, uh, one of the voices of the brothers on uh, Adventure Brothers, he was Leonardo, he was there, um, uh, God, so many people were there, Kino, Ch- uh, ironically, Kino was there, uh, Ernie Race Jr. Hmm. was there, uh, oh. it was just... Um, God, Sam Regal, the voice of Donatello for the two thousand series was there. Peter Laird's daughter was there. Uh, yeah, it was just amazing uh, and I was dressed as the Rat team that whole day so <laughs> <laughs> it was yeah, I, it, the whole experience, that whole day was just amazing and I uh, there almost was a uh, official screening for it like a, like a one or two night deal with Fathom but sadly, that was right about the time the Nickelodeon thing was going through. And so nobody really got to see it on the big screen. Because, mm. I mean, this film on the big screen just kicked ass. And, again, it's just one of those sad things. Uh, the DVD release, kind of what you're seeing, is a little bit edited. Kind of, It's not that bad, though. The DVD's pretty good, considering, for what it's worth. It's not perfect, but it's, you know... Uh, Or you can just go on YouTube, I think somebody posted on YouTube, so watch it while you can before uh, Viacom comes and grabs it. Right,
0: and I mean, even Turtles Forever, not only does it have these turtles from the different eras meeting, it also comments on some of the, the stranger things of the older series, where they're in the middle of a fight scene, and the Raphael from the 80s cartoon looks directly at the screen and makes a wisecrack. Breaks the fourth wall. He breaks the fourth wall, and then someone comments, what you're saying isn't even a joke, and then someone else says, who are you even talking to?
1: Yeah, Hun, one of the major (laughs) villains from the the 2003 series, he just, those turtles drove him nuts. (laughs) He, wow, God, man. And actually, Hun is a very cool character. Even outside of the 2003 series, they... Uh, Tristan Jones, the gentleman I was from Australia was talking about earlier, he really helped develop onto a very uh, vicious character in the Mirage comics. And um, he's actually the reason kind of, Casey's a little screwball, but that's that's an aside. But yeah, you really see so much in this film that to me it was extra special because they kind of went back uh, to the Second Turtles film. Toka and Razzar are in this film. Uh, wow. It's a very different take on Token Raza. They're actually, uh, the, the 2003, the Ultram Shredder, uh, he, he loves Krang's Technodrome. He loves yeah. Krang's Mutagen. So he starts mutating his own foot soldiers into monsters. And, uh, Hun was the first to get, uh, mutated, uh, through an accident. He was fighting the turtles, and then he came in touch with, um, a vial of Ooze, to 80, the 80s Donatello was tearing, and then yeah, uh, Hung gets turned into this vicious turtle-like creature and you know again uh, Shredder just loves that so Toka and Raza in this film are not just uh, feral creatures like in the second film they're actually foot soldiers that were mutated and there's a lot of craziness in there there's so much for everyone with Turtles Forever so uh, even the 2007 film uh, there's knots to that there's not the classic series obviously the comics some of the Mirage artists gotta have uh, little cameos in there with their artwork in uh, at one point when uh, the potronm shredder opens up all the turtle dimensions it is a geek fest it really is <laughs> so um, but it, it's it's really cool really recommended for everybody it's a wonderful film and it's kind of Basically, in my opinion, Peter's love letter to everybody, and kind of a send-off. It, it really—I mean, I'm not sure I sound cliche, but it's kind of the end of an era, really, yeah. literally. So, uh, wow, yeah, I, I, I can't go on and rave about it enough. So, um, well,
2: that—that that, I'm really glad to hear that, and because far to the best of my knowledge, I—I. I, I think I stopped watching the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles animated series like maybe two, maybe two seasons before it actually ended. It didn't actually get a real final episode, did it? Didn't they, did not they just let it peter out? Uh,
1: they did. They did. Um, oh. Tony Jay, uh, another legendary voice actor. That's what's cool. about. Another cool thing about Turtles will try to hit on. Oh, so many really kick-ass and, uh Really, legends in their own right, voice actors really got to work on these these guys. Tony Jay, a uh, well-known um, uh, Shakespearean actor, actually uh, was the main villain for the uh, final what, uh, 94, 95 season, ninety six. So the final two seasons, he kind of came in as drag, this really megalomaniac overlord. And the first his interest, his entrance was he's He's fooled all the New Yorkers, thinking he's a good guy. And um, you know, Sh- Shredder and Krang had been tossed back to Dimension X, so they're out of the picture for like a whole season, actually. And uh, there's the a lot of
0: storylines with the Ninja Turtles being mutated into weird versions of themselves. Yeah,
2: Double mutated, they like Hulk yeah, out for some was, reason.
1: This this particular season that Drag was introduced, they would introduced uh, Bumper Robinson played a character named Carter. He was an ally to the Turtles, kind of a substitute to Casey Jones. And, um, very controversial character, actually. But he kind of had this Hulk-type thing. He turned into this yellow punk guy, and, um, the Turtles had extreme mutations and stuff. And it was a very weird season. Uh, ultimately, I mean, even in the final season, Krang and Shredder were brought back by Dreg. And so, uh, uh, but ultimately, whatever happens to, uh... Crane and, and Shredder, they, I know they get banished back to Dimension X and they aren't seen again but Dreg goes c- totally crazy he, he steals he has his minions steal like Crank's bio suit and uh, he's able to absorb all these really bad evil aliens and, and stuff and he's just super powerful, hell bent on destroying the turtles and uh Oh wait, I'm totally mixing that up. No, he, well, whatever the case, he has this bio suit that he can just suck up all these aliens' powers. The turtles have to go back to the technodrome, which has been abandoned on Dimension X, and they get Crane's suit and they fight Dreg to the death because Crane's nice. can kind of yeah. Donatello and Michelangelo, I believe, are fighting Dreg in Crane's suit, and then um. Uh, they throw I don't remember what happens exactly, but I, I know they throw Crank's suit at Dregg, and then Craig just gets thrown back into this portal, I guess, in Dimension X, and it looks like it blows up. And so, yeah, there is an ending to that series. Um, and again, sadly, with the DVDs, they just aren't there yet. You may be able to find some of this on YouTube. Um, right,
0: I think with that, um, with that 80s cartoon series... They at least have the first seven seasons of that released, and it was ten seasons altogether.
1: Yeah, the seventh season is kind of the start again. They call it the Red Sky episodes uh, unofficially, and so you, the the seventh season kind of shows you the direction that the turtles are going. It's 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 still a little tiny bit of what it used to be, but it's again much more harder edge. Um, and they kind of they actually use some of the their original Mirage. Uh, stylings from the 80s, uh, a little tiny bit in the design of the Turtles. Um, even the Transmat device appears, I think, in the final season, at least a form of the Transmat device, which is, a a big, uh, a dimensional portal thing from the original comics, so...
0: Which really strange is if you go, um, yeah. when they released the season one of the 80s Ninja Turtles series on DVD, as a bonus, it has four random episodes from the final season. But they're not any episodes in particular order. No. And it was like the last season or two of that show, as you mentioned, uh, Toka, has a story arc, which, you know, other than that, the Ninja Turtles cartoon from the 80s in the most part, it doesn't have a big storyline from season to season.
2: Yeah, it would always uh, just culminate to a season finale where the Technodrome would either be stranded on Earth (laughs) or stranded in Dimension X.
1: Well, this... Again, the eighty the series does have some finality, um, but, um, you know, you go back to Turtles Forever and, and stuff, it just, um, it gives a finality kind of to just about everything. It re- really does. I mean, you think about it in retrospect and you think about it, there's a, there's a little bit of sadness to it. To, toward the end there, um, you're just like, oh, shit. You know, you're <laughs> kind of like, <laughs> Wow. It really does, really does kind of make you just really long for, the, for that. And, 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 and I don't know, it was a wonderful off, send-off, I guess. Um, but yeah, the, it's just too amazing. This, this stuff is just, it, to me, it really is the stuff of Legends. This, this whole franchise is just so culturally impact, impacted the globe, and I've seen it for, for so long now. I mean, I've been doing this news aggregation thing for Mikey's and and uh, Go Green Machine for a long time now, and and you just see it all over the globe just have such a a fondness with age groups ranging from just the very littlest of kids. You know, maybe kids um, roughly your age when you got interested in it it, or or younger to people in their, like, 70s, 80s, and, and the extreme 90s. Um, yeah, I remember getting off campus when I was still in college, just going over to this, uh, old lady's house I grew up with, and, um, I mean, she was, like, 89, and we just, you know, an old, old neighborhood friend, you know, uh, that we lived near, and, um, I would just visit her for, for fun. She was a good, good old friend, and, um, we'd watch the next Mutation. <laughs> she loved it, so, you know, uh... The sentimentality a killer. I, I understand there's uh, very mixed opinions about different things. You know, some people really hate the third turtle film. Some people really hate turtles, too. Some people really hate next mutation. But, you know, that's the, it's my curse. You know, you get to know these different people that work on these different incarnations and got to work on next mutation or got to be involved with Turtle 3. You know, it, it's just like, this stuff is just so freaking weird. I w- live a very surreal life and it's just, it's exciting. It's the best thing that's ever happened to me. These Mirage people have been my mentors from afar. Even Steve Murphy has just been like one of my best friends. He's really helped me out. The past several years have been a nightmare. And it wasn't for these guys. I mean, uh, I, I may not even be here, really. Um, so I really owe them a lot. The pain of my existence, too. It's it's been hard. Again, like this Nickelodeon thing, I really took it hard. So I mean, again, I'm, I'm through it, and you know, they, they they were pretty cool about it in the end. So, um,
0: so with Ninja Turtles, we we've talked about a, a few different things, and uh, one thing that always stuck out to me uh, was that uh, they had a lot of interesting video games that came out over the years. Oh yeah. Thrasher, is there a, a Ninja Turtles video game that you played that maybe stood out as being decent or different? I played,
2: I played several. My absolute favorite, and I, I will admit, I have not played any of the games on the current generation of systems or the last oh. generation of systems. So, but in in my mind, the the in heart, the greatest Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles video game is the uh, Turtles in Time game. Mm. I knew we were going to uh, say that. <laughs> yeah, both the arcade version and the Super Nintendo version. Uh, my oh god, my dad and I used to play that. We would we would team up. I'd be Donatello, he'd be Michelangelo, and we would we would just blast through that game. Even on was.
1: That was really cool.
2: That was great. Oh, like wow. I loved that you'd throw guys into the screen. I loved that the gameplay <laughs> was varied. Like when, when you were on the fut in the future and you were on those those hover discs shooting across oh, yeah. the cityscape just great. You weren't just walking around beating people up. They did so many other things in that game environment.
1: Yeah, there's just something about that game. I mean, in the arcade version, it's cool too, but particularly the Super Nintendo version that just really has touched so many people. I don't know anyone that's really spoken bad about it. You know, maybe it's a little archaic at this point, but whatever. There's, yeah, the Turtles in Time specifically, the Super Nintendo version just were really, really, uh, made it hit home with so many people it's it's a really well-rounded game and it it still holds up for the most part i mean and there's i know they did the xbox thing with the reshell and i've i've uh, seen playthroughs of that and it's okay but yeah there's something very special about the that uh early 90's Turtles in Time game. Yeah. I mean that was
0: at a time when th- that you had sprite based artwork so two dimensional artwork but it had gotten so detailed they can really make it look like the cartoon which the other arcade game while well, it looked good it didn't quite have that same touch to it and that you had different levels and different time periods uh, it changed things up a lot with the game and with the creativity as opposed well,
1: it, you know it, yeah and just the the, the, mix, the mixing up of the bad guys you know mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and the, the Super Nintendo version kind of won up the arcade version because you got everybody loves Bebop and Rocksteady. They're thrown in there. Uh, in a, the thing you know, I love is to- Token
2: I love that Bebop there. and Rocksteady as <laughs> pirates will injure each other. You get them oh, yeah. to actually yeah. attack each other. There's like some yeah, strategy.
1: It's so goofy. And, uh, well, even, uh, even Token Roth, they'll, they'll, Token's got this weird thing where he jumps in his shell. Turns into this skateboard, and then Razar jumps on him, starts skateboarding, <laughs> probably yeah. bloodying his feet up on Toka's Spike shell. I mean, it's so goofy, and then if you if you beat up Razar, he turns back into a little puppy dog. If you're feeling really, really evil, you can go up <laughs> and beat Razar while he's a puppy dog, and he'll start yelping.
0: Yep. <laughs> little tiny oh. touches
1: like that just, oh, God. Ah, oh, man. Ugh.
0: Yeah, no, that one was really. great. One Ninja Turtles video game I'll recommend, it's it's a little bit more obscure. It's uh, This one came out for the original Game Boy, the black and white one. Uh, yeah. And it's called Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3 Radical Rescue. Radical Rescue. Yeah, and this one, so it's kind of like a side-scroller, but it's a bit more like uh, Metroid or uh, some of the later Castlevania games, where you play, you start it's off just... hard. Yeah, it's really hard. You start off just as Michelangelo. And you have to rescue the other turtles that are captured. You're in this big fortress. It's kind of like a maze. Different turtles have different specialties they can do. And uh, once you get different turtles, you can access different areas. And it's a it's a little bit of a change from the beat 'em up formula, but it's a it's a pretty complicated and ambitious game for especially for a Game Boy game and, back and then. It's got
1: some. It's got some really weird bosses. Uh, I know, like uh, like scratch. Scratch the I guess he's the first boss if I remember the cat yeah the cat burglar he's he's mostly known for being one of the most obscure and valuable Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles action figures ever. (laughs) He's actually uh, a character named Hollow Cat from the Turtles Adventures comics. That was his original name was Hollow Cat. He's part of an called the Uncanny Trio. There was this owl mutant named Nocturno and uh, a crow mutant named. Uh, Nevermore, the Scarecrow. Oh, They're yeah. really bad guys, but um, yes, yeah, Scratch was based on that, and he's a really kick-ass boss. There's another boss, Scale Tail, a snake, uh, a bounty hunter from the X. There's a Triceraton in there too, and uh, I don't know. Again, back to the Turtles' 4 film. If you go in there, Max, when you, when April first walks into Max's office, there's a Triceraton in his office you gotta
0: look a little close but it's there so I don't know it's all relative man I'm really jumping all over the map I'm so sorry oh no that's okay we do that we do that on the sequel cast all the time Uh, we're gonna have to wrap up pretty soon here but before we do I wanna read two separate pieces and I think they kind of um, demonstrate the difference in tone between maybe how the turtles began in the comic and sort of the goofy sort of 80's tone and some of what you see in the cartoon series so yeah, the 80s I, Yeah, right, in the 80s cartoon. So I'm going to start by reading a uh, an excerpt from the very first issue of the Ninja Turtles comic by uh, Peter Laird and Kevin Eastman. We do not like to run from those who would be our allies, but we must. They would not understand us. The storm drain beckons. We are never far from a means of escape. We are trained in the ways of ninjutsu. We strike hard and fade away. So that's all narration, and it's talking about Ninja Turtles running... Uh, Back to the sewers after their first sort of fight in the comics. Let me compare that with a uh, a quote from the Ninja Turtles National Turtle Quiz Joke Book. <laughs> uh, what is the turtle friend Casey Jones known for? Any guesses? Beating people up with hockey sticks. Uh, close.
1: Oh man. Sports-based vigilantism. I don't. I don't even want to know the pun. It's probably really, really bad. <laughs> I
0: don't want to know. <laughs> Talking like Clint Eastwood. <laughs> His, good Smashmanship. His good Smashmanship.
1: Oh, go. okay. I saw that coming. I should have seen that coming anyway. Yeah, and yeah, Thrasher, if you get the chance, check out Turtles 4, just for the nerd part. I mean, even if you end up hating the movie, just for the nerdiness. Uh, Billy West uh, does nice. a lot of voices in there. From Fry from uh, Futurama. Frank Welker, uh, very well known for uh, his Scooby-Doo work, and Frank Welker has just done about every single voice acting thing. Megatron, uh, the Gremlins, you name it, Frank Welker has done it. He's in there. He's uh. The voice
2: Didn't he do Toka
1: as uh, well? well? Yeah, Frank Welker was both Toka and Razar in the second stone And so uh, Jim Cummings, another voice actor, the official voice of Winnie the Pooh, um, he's done some... Vo- yeah, he actually was in the original Turtles cartoon as Leatherhead, but I think he was an alternate voice for Shredder. He's in, um, Turtles 4. So, yeah, just check it out. Check out the voice of Karai, too. There's another little, um, uh, butchering her name. She, uh, I can't even remember the lady from what, what was her
0: Crouching Tiger, Hidden French? Dragon?
1: That's the voice of Karai. Yeah. So, you yeah, check it out. It, just for the nerd fest, I mean, and, and overall... If you take it for what it is It's not a bad film And it ultimately no. is a film about redemption Patrick Stewart's got a really special role in this He comes off as the villain But there's more than meets the guy So it's it's a, it's a really Overall It's the end of a What do they call it? A quadrilogy or something?
0: Yeah, I guess that'd be right I, I guess that would be the right I guess, term
1: but I think so It is the fourth Turtles film And it kind of wraps it up Because the next Turtles film Is going to be much different Going back to live action, and it will, it will be a real reboot, it does look like. So, um, who knows?
0: Yeah, out of, oh, uh, out of the Ninja Turtles... Oh, sorry. Out of the Ninja Turtles things, one thing I, I want to point out that has a special place in my heart, I got a bootleg copy of this from a convention. In uh, Japan, they did a two-part OVA uh, sort of anime right. Ninja Turtles <laughs> called oh, a yes. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Legend of the Super Mutants, or in Japanese... Mutanto Tatoruzu, Chosen Densetsu, Hen. And, um, <laughs> it, it, it's absolutely ridiculous. The, uh, I mean, the, the subtitles are bad because it's a, um, you know, it's a it's bootleg. Wonderful. Uh, it's it, it's wonderful. Ass. It's like crazy. They get in super armor and start fighting. They, uh, uh Shredder the,
1: turns into like a Godzilla.
0: Yeah, yeah, and one of them he turns into a Godzilla. Uh, the voice of Crane is this high pitched. Squealy little thing. Yeah. Go, what's up, that, John? Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's like, like even more
2: high-pitched than in the 80s cartoon. Yeah.
0: yeah, he keeps on... Shredder. Tr- fucking <laughs> yeah. up! Yeah. yeah. Shredder keeps Shut up, him him Get in the portal. And uh, did I ever show you that, Thrasher? I think I might have shown you some of that. No, no,
2: you, you showed me the alternate uh, theme song, but you never actually played me that one.
1: <laughs> okay. But, uh... Yeah, you, you have to know that that's a really it it's it's the same uh, continuity as the original cartoon but uh they touch base on um really quickly on how uh, even why Shredder even changes his armor cuz Shredder's got two two or three different costumes in the four different costumes if I remember correctly. So uh, the neutrinos are mentioned in it, and it. It's it's so it is the same continuity as that the 80s cartoon, but it's it's like Bizarro world. It, it will freak you out. <laughs> it will really, really, you will really enjoy it. So, yeah. yeah. Oh, God. So anyway? He,
0: yeah, uh, for me, my thoughts on the TMNT movie from uh, 2007, the CG one, it's, it's okay. Like, I, I, I do agree with you, Toka. Uh, what they do with the villain uh, towards the end is pretty interesting. It's not what you would expect. And I, I think they tried to bring a too too much into one movie, like if, if if this had been I uh, I don't know a feature length episode for the premiere of a new Ninja Turtle series, and maybe they'd have a chance later on to expand on that stuff. But if you go back and uh, I'm gonna have to go back and take a look at those prequel comics before watching this again, I think I might appreciate I it that a quite bit hope. more. Um,
1: um, maybe even reading the novel. I mean, remember, I remember oh, like, yeah? you I mean, you you guys were actually kind of joking in the first film about the second time around uh, store April's antique store. Uh-huh. but it, you actually may have been hitting on a point. In the novel, it points out that April was actually getting a lot of business from that. So what we're seeing here is an extension of her second time around store. Mm. It's, you're going yeah. to see April dealing in rare antiques. and um, So it's a uh, it, it really does play off so much from those first three films. So, you know... Yeah, you kind of got to catch up a little bit on some of this stuff, and it may help me to appreciate the film a little bit more. I mean, I mean, even I, when this first came out, I was like, "Oh, oh CGI!" I'm. It takes more than special effects and computer generated images to really turn me on. It's got to be a good story. I don't get to see movies all the time. I mean, just there's, there's so much I'm doing, just trying to keep up with my career. I don't get to go. Oh, let's go see a movie! You know, come on. I can't even, you know, get to the Netflix and get a, a movie going here sometimes. And so it's got to be a really special story and film that really intrigues me and attracts me. And, uh, you know, and of course I, I'm biased, but this, I, I gave it a chance and I, I was not disappointed for the most part. And so, and I, but I can't expect everybody to come from where I'm coming from. So, you know, um, Take it for what it's worth. There's some cake-ass villains in there. Again, if you give them a chance, the stone generals are really, really freaky. And um, actually, of course, this when they get defeated, you know, like uh, like a lot of uh, movies where the bad guy gets his just due, the turtle, they, they, they get defeated in a very uh, disturbing way. And so uh, I'll leave it at that. But, uh, there's some, there's some freakier elements to the film. And, uh, Billy West as the Jersey Devil is just worth seeing this film for. Nice! The monsters, uh, there's 13 monsters that are released. And, uh, only a few of them get, uh, some screen time. And, and, actually, yeah, probably, like, a, an obscure Star Wars alien from the Cantina scene gets more screen time than some of these monsters. <laughs> So, you know, it's kind of sad, but uh, they, they all have names, I think I have a list here to cheat from, but the, there's like 13 monsters released from from the portal that uh, Yowdle, the, the supposed main villain, let's see, what's the list here, we got Bigfoot, the Getty, Lupa the Werewolf, the Sloth-like Lethargo, the Monkey-like Jersey Devil, my favorite, the giant vampire bat succaboar, the llama like Spitex, Vix the fox, Azuli the Puma, the Wild Boar Pict, the the Koti Mundi Arcadin, and the frog like weeb and the giant crocodile Cretaceo. And the, that giant crocodile creature plays a lot into the final battle that goes on between the stone generals. So you, you again you've got a very unique film very weird again it's and as a sequel just it being animated and the first three films are live action that's kind of weird do you, do you know too many franchises where that's happened uh i don't know i think of maybe the animatrix does that count i don't really know i don't or, know
0: like the only thing i can only think it sort of counts i mean the only thing i can think that they've kind of done like that lately is you have um like with the chronicles of of reddick or with um what is it called van helsing they kind of did these these 30 minute animated prequel shorts direct to video that came out but as far as theatrically having another movie be animated and trying to take place in that same continuity as the previous live action films i don't think that's really been done before and um
1: it, it's a very weird film altogether, uh, and uh, maybe you're gonna love it or hate it. But I think just just for the geeky elements, um, and, and I liked, I did appreciate how Kevin Monroe took it. He, you know, Steve Barron wanted to go out and make a film with unknown actors, at least actors that weren't like super established. Like, oh, let's just go throw Williams in there. Yeah, you know, it wasn't about that. <coughs> Warner Brothers wouldn't have it. Uh, when Kevin Morell was like, hey, let's kind of do what you know, uh, what Steve Barron did and let's have some unknown actors. Nope, you got to bring some big names into this. He met him halfway. So you go to Patrick Stewart's in there, Chris Evans is there, um, Sarah Michelle Gellar is in there, the big names, Lawrence Fishburne, the big names are there. The Turtles themselves are um, a little bit more lesser-known voice actors. And then uh, what ultimately really sets the film as really cool is mako with is splinter that is oh, my far, yeah. like my, that's my favorite splinter voice of all time I, I kevin monroe just fell in love with that and it was mako's final role so uh yeah it's kind of ironic because that, that that day at comic-con that they were previewing like in animatic i think what was that 2006 I want to say Mako passed away in 2006, but it was this really strange. The same day that uh, we we had filmed, uh, or we had got to see a, a re- really early animatic of what Kevin introduced, at like the Warner Brothers panel, Mako had passed away. It was really ironic. So, uh, yeah, just, just, yeah, thrash to just see that film for Mako at Splinter, really. It, it is really cool. So,
2: I, I love him in, in you know Conan the Barbarian and Samurai Jack and and really everything I've seen him in. I, I would see the movie just for him.
1: It really fits Splinter. It really does. It just works. It's not like, you know. I mean, it's not the uh, Kevin Clash Splinter. I mean, which in all, uh, all uh, for all respects, it was a, that was a great Splinter. But this is a very this is a very active Splinter too. Thanks to the animation, you get to see. Splinter kicking ass like he kind of shit me I think you know in the RT comics we gotta see April kicking ass and Splinter had some major roles there. Splinter was a badass in those books so and uh... and again from what it appears uh, Splinter's gonna be a badass in this Nickelodeon thing Hmm. so we're gonna see some very interesting things coming up. Splinter's back to a a guy mutated into a rat. I mean he's gonna have a daughter um, it looks like shredder is back to being human. the 2003 series he was kind of like a weird and and shredder crane hybrid Utron in a shredder suit. that was the main shredder. So he's back to being more human but he will be teaming up with a uh, alien species called the Krang, which I guess are take a take on the neutrons. So we've got, uh, we also have confirmed that Baxter Stockman's back. I, I just read that today, so he will be the major antagonist. Casey Jones probably won't be coming into the picture until season two. Uh, another point of controversy is April's been reverted to, like, a teenager. Very about 16. Um, Donatello's got a crush on her. Everybody, yeah, everybody's having issues with that, so... But it's still a work in progress. These things may change. But we're going to see some very interesting things. And um, uh, probably the coolest thing that we, we I've heard is that the Shredder is going to be very, very, very bad. Probably like the 80 Shredder on steroids. So we're not, I'm not talking Super Shredder. I'm talking just a really conniving, really mm. bad guy. I, that intrigues me right there. Shredder is one of my all-time favorite villains. So... You know, just for the badass factor. So, I, I do look forward to seeing what, what goes down.
0: Yeah, we definitely have uh, to take a good look at that when that show comes out. That's, a it'll be pretty interesting.
1: Uh, start reading some of the blogs. Maybe you'll find some interesting stuff. I don't know. Uh, the forums are on fire about it right now. I'm, so I'm trying to stay away. I don't, I'm, I'm overwhelmed as it is with everybody's <laughs> opinions. So, I'm just gonna <laughs> right. uh, hang real loose
0: around there, so. Well, uh, Toka, thanks for being on the show to talk about Yeah, thank uh, you, guys. It was oh.
1: a hell of a lot of fun talking to you. Well, not a That's problem. great, you.
0: And um, let's see. What should we say to end the show with? Man, you, I mama?
1: love being a turtle. That's good. Well, uh, Toka has oh? issues with being a turtle. Toka's a little bit more psychological about it. He's, a, he's not a mutant by choice, so uh, I don't know. It, I mean, could I we say, isn't, doesn't Toka
0: say mommy? We could say mommy. It says mama. When, mama. As
1: soon as they burst out of their, sh- uh, out of their
0: Mama. Ears. Why don't yeah, mama. why don't no. we do that? We're all gonna. So so I will say <laughs> this is Uncle Milkshake Thrasher Taka saying, and then we're gonna try to say Mama in a baby voice like a uh, Taka does okay. to close us out. <laughs> How does that sound?
2: I love these sign-offs.
0: Yeah, uh, these are well prepared in the
1: Mama.
0: <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> That's good. Okay, so this is Uncle Milkshake.
1: Thrasher. And
0: Toka. saying,
1: "Mama." Mama.
0: <laughs> okay. Excellent.
1: Excellent. You made me children. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. Thanks, Toka. Uh, I'll send you an email um, when the show goes up and stuff.
1: That was fun, man. Thank you very oh, no much. no problem. So I
0: really appreciate thanks for it it. It. Well, Thank coming on.
1: Yep. Yeah, you guys are great. I look forward to it.
0: Thanks. Right. All
1: right. right. Take care. Yep. We'll Bye.
0: See you Bye. Okay, uh, uh, that's pretty cool. I actually gotta I get good. going. I gotta run the dog out and uh, do I do trivia Wednesday nights now, or I oh, don't really? I don't ask the question or whatever. Oh, I'm asking the question. I'm not here. the host. I'm the I'm a participant in the trivia, but um, yeah. So next episode of sequel, next few episodes of sequel cast, we're gonna take a look at the uh, Chinatown films. Is that what we decided? You're able to get a hold of those easy enough.
2: Uh, I will, I will, they they're, they're, they're cl- the first one's a classic. Yeah. I probably should own it.
0: I mean, so, you don't have to buy the movies for the show, you know, like, like some of the stuff I've talked about, I haven't, you know, I've seen a long time ago, but I remember enough about it. I can still talk about it. True. So. But, you know, I,
2: it's something that I think really should be watched and studied. I mean, it is, it is a, a classic work of, of the art of film.
0: Right. So next time on SequelCast, we'll. We've been doing a lot of these movie series with several movies in the um, franchise. But next time we're going to you know, take a few episodes to look, be a bit more highbrow for the sequel cast. And we're going to take a look at uh, Chinatown next week. And the week after that, the little-known sequel to Chinatown, The Two Jakes.
2: And the little-known sequel to that sequel in three weeks, The Two Jakes 2, Nicholson Boogaloo.
0: Uh, I want to give a shout-out on the Facebook SequelCast has a Facebook page. If you look up SequelCast on Facebook, are on there. We got some neat comments from a, a new listener, Kent Sorley. I'm probably mispronouncing that. He is from uh, Norway, and uh, he's saying how he likes the show, so we appreciate your comments, Kent. And um, if you want to get in contact with us, in contact with us, uh, the SequelCast page on Facebook is a good way. You can send us an email, SequelCast at com. Check out old episodes at SequelCast.com. Or if you search for us on iTunes, I think you should be able to get most of the episodes from iTunes as well. Um, All right, Thrasher, thanks. The Sequel Cast airs Wednesdays, 3 to 4 p.m. Pacific time on Cascadia.fm online, internet streaming radio. You can also download episodes of The Sequel Cast from www.sequelcast.com.